Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite New Yorker cartoons shows a, a flock of sheep out grazing in a field. There's a big billboard in the field with a picture of a, a wolf in a very fine suit. And the wolf is saying, I am going to eat you. The caption for the cartoon has one of the sheep saying to one of the other sheep, well, at least he tells it like it is. <laughs> now think about that cartoon every fourth Sunday of Easter. Today is not Bad Shepherd Sunday, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. And we call it Good Shepherd Sunday because as we prayed in our opening collect for today, Jesus is the Good Shepherd of God's people. On this Sunday every year, the psalm appointed is always Psalm 23. We just actually sang that psalm in the hymn that we just sang. One that, it's one that many of us know by heart. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And every year on the fourth Sunday of Easter, we hear a bit of Jesus' Good Shepherd discourse, which is found in John chapter 10. This is year C, the third year in the three-year lectionary cycle. And so we're hearing the, the end of that discourse where Jesus responds to those who question his identity by explaining that, that only those who are his sheep will truly know who he is, that, that he is the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And it's helpful, I think, to to remember a bit of the context so that we can better understand all that's happening in this reading for today. John tells us that Jesus' Good Shepherd discourse takes place during the Jewish feast of, of, of dedication, better known to us as Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the, the feast that celebrates the victory of Judas Maccabeus over the Seleucid Empire in the 2nd century BCE. In 167, Antiochus IV, who was the king of the Seleucids, erected a statue of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. He banned circumcision. He ordered that pigs be sacrificed on the altar in the temple. In short, he defiled the most sacred space for Jews. A revolt was led by Judas Maccabeus, the temple was reclaimed and rededicated, and a menorah was placed in the temple to remain lit each day. They could only go, the story says, they could only find enough, enough oil to keep the menorah lit for one day, but somehow, miraculously, the oil lasted for eight days, the time needed for, for more oil to be prepared. And after this great miracle, an eight-day yearly celebration was declared to remember that event. That's what's happening in this story today. That's why Jesus and all of the other Jewish people are in Jerusalem, to celebrate Hanukkah, to celebrate the Feast of Lights. It's winter, we're told, and as Jesus is walking in the temple, he's approached and asked, are you, are you going to tell us who you are? How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, they say, then just tell us plainly. They want an answer from Jesus about who he is. Enough with the, with the cryptic language, they say. Are you the Messiah or not? They, as you probably know, are, are trying to trap Jesus. If Jesus comes right out and says that he is the Messiah, then they can label him a, a blasphemer or a heretic. If, on the other hand, Jesus doesn't claim to be the Messiah, then he can be dismissed altogether. But Jesus doesn't give them what they want. I have told you, he says, but you do not believe. And that's because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. 
Now, various biblical commentators give lots of different reasons for why Jesus doesn't just come out and say that he is the Messiah. One reason uh, these commentators say is because Jesus knew that the word Messiah, the word Christ, immediately brought to mind images not of a a good shepherd, but of a, a warrior king, a political Messiah who would destroy the Roman Empire. Jesus is not that type of Messiah. Jesus is the good shepherd. Another reason that Jesus doesn't just come right out and say that he is the Messiah is because, and this is Barbara Brown Taylor, the great Episcopal priest and preacher talking, it's because Jesus, she says, seems to know that those asking the question don't actually want to be in relationship with him. Argue with him, yes. Accuse him, sure. Debate him, absolutely. But it's clear that being in a relationship with Jesus is not high on their priority list. This Messiah, Jesus is saying, doesn't come in the ways that we might expect. This Messiah comes as one who seeks to be in relationship with people. This Messiah, Jesus says to us today, is a good shepherd. Now, what all of the the traditional images that we have of shepherds in in art and in our churches often get wrong is that they show the shepherd, and and think about these images in your mind, images that you've seen before, They, they often show the shepherd standing behind the flock, working to keep them in line. The more accurate image is one of a shepherd out front, a shepherd who's there taking the lead, always calling the sheep, forward. Sheep, as any shepherd will tell you, need to be led, and that's where the shepherd comes in. The shepherd goes ahead and assures them that everything is okay. The shepherd takes care of the sheep when they fall into trouble. The shepherd, the good shepherd, cares. Shepherding is all about relationships. It's all about the the shepherd protecting, leading the way, caring for the sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a biblical picture of what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. One of the things that I think we're meant to hear each year on Good Shepherd Sunday is that simple but powerful message that God in Christ cares for us. The Good Shepherd cares. We know this, we believe this, we say this, and the the call today is to live this out. Because the Good Shepherd cares for us, we are to care for others. Christ has no body now but yours. Those are, those are words once spoken by Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Because God, the Good Shepherd, cares for us, we are to care for others. I remember when, when I was ordained a priest, the, the preacher who's a, a mentor and a close friend of mine, during his sermon, I remember very vividly what he said to me that day. And, and it was very accusatory at one point. He invited me to stand up and he said to me, Andy, who do you think you are? He said to me, you are not the good shepherd. 
Corky said, there is only one good shepherd, and you, Andy, are not him. And he said, don't ever forget that. But he said, also, don't forget that you are called, just as we are all called, to model your life after the good shepherd. Be an under-shepherd, he said, and better yet, be a sheepdog and take care of the good shepherd's flock. Always remember who you are, Corky said to me that day. None of us, none of us is the good shepherd. There is only one. We hear Jesus saying that to us today. But, but our call, our work as followers of Jesus is to take good care of each other, of the world around us, of all of God's creation. There was a, a, a very moving story last week on the, on the CBS program, 60 Minutes. My wife likes to joke that I'm the only 30-something that watches 60 Minutes week after week, but I do every week. It's a religious thing for me. Uh, but last Sunday on 60 Minutes, there was this great story uh, that I've been thinking about all week. It was a story about frontotemporal dementia, sometimes referred to simply as FTD. Did anyone see that story last Sunday? Go and watch it online if you didn't have a chance to see it. It's a disease, FTD, a disease that affects the the frontal and temporal lobes of the brain, the parts of the brain that have to do with our our personality, our our behavior, and our language. FTD is the most common form of dementia for people under the age of 60. And up until a few years ago, I had never heard of frontotemporal dementia. And then I received an email about that very disease. The email was from the very Reverend Tracy Lind, who's an Episcopal priest and the former dean of Trinity Cathedral in Cleveland, Ohio. And Tracy was sharing the news with her congregation that after extensive testing, she had been diagnosed with FTD and would be stepping down as dean of the cathedral. Since her resignation in January of 2017, Tracy has been, has been traveling around the country preaching and teaching and, and raising awareness about FTD. This past Sunday, and one of the reasons I tuned in to 60 Minutes was because Tracy was profiled uh, on, that, on that program, along with a, a 40-year-old man named Mark Johnson, as they were doing this story about FTD. In the story, Tracy said that she first realized that, that something was wrong with her when she was in a public bathroom. As she was washing her hands, she got startled when she looked into the mirror and didn't know who was looking back at her. She didn't recognize her own face, she said. She knew that something was not good, and so she she called her doctors, and a couple of months later, on election day of 2016, she got the, the diagnosis that she had FTD, a disease that she said she had never heard of before that very day. And in the story, and if you've heard Tracy preach, she talks about this a whole lot. In the story, she talks about how even though she resigned from her position as dean of Trinity Cathedral, she wasn't, she wasn't giving up her ministry. She said that she was going to live what she had been preaching for years and years, and that is that, that out of great pain, we can find peace. That in the midst of, of sorrow, she says, we can find joy. That even in the shadow of, of death, for this disease will almost certainly kill Tracy in, Tracy in the not-so-distant future, even even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, we can find new life and new hope, a new purpose, she said. I share all of that with you because I, I want to raise up Tracy. I think she's one of the best preachers and priests in the Episcopal Church. But what actually struck me as I was watching that very moving story uh, was the love and the support and the care of Tracy's wife, Emily. 
and the other woman, the other wife of, of Mark Johnson, who was profiled in the story. Emily talked about how she is going to be there for Tracy until the very end, how she is going to be caring for her and loving her and supporting her until she dies. And I realized as I was listening to Emily talk about Tracy that she is a good shepherd. She's a model of how we are to live our lives caring for others. Tolstoy once wrote that the only certain happiness in life is to live for others. On Good Shepherd Sunday, we get a a wonderful example of how we are called to live, how to be in relationship, how to care for those around us. On, on Good Shepherd Sunday, we're reminded of that baptismal promise that we all make in the Episcopal Church. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And we respond, I will with God's help. It's a promise to shepherd God's people, to care for God's people to love God's people. With Jesus as our good, beautiful shepherd, we are reminded today of our call to be under shepherds, to be the sheepdogs. With graciousness and with love, with care, we are to show the way to the still waters. We are to revive souls. We are to lead others to the green pastures, and we are to be a hopeful presence as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen.